It's a football victory over top 10 Northwestern, a hockey victory over Ohio State, and a couple of W's in basketball over Eastern and Notre Dame. A week full of victory. And this podcast, for the record, never doubted Spartan Athletics for a minute. You're listening to Can't Read, Can't Write. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Can't Read, Can't Write, the podcast that proves to Wolverines Spartans can talk. I'm Mike Jones, joined by the man who asks, what's the difference between chiseled and gaunt? Kevin Greck, as well as the man who trolls patriarchal bloviators for fun, Alex Plum. Gentlemen, how we doing? Certainly not g- gaunt. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I think that, uh, that I'm, I'm really looking forward to our, uh, you know, our hockey conversation that, uh, is dominating the, uh, the outline here. Uh, yeah, it's, I that's a psych, say- that's a psych situation, dear listener. Whoa. Did you, you not said use- everything that we're going to say about hockey already? The outline, am I looking at? The outline I'm looking at is only hockey. <laughs> that and women yeah. women in football that's it's, it's, it seems this is you being out. boxed out of the podcast uh, but God. uh we will say very briefly because uh, this will be the extent of the hockey talk uh msu hockey two zero and one off to a great start um mm-hmm. while we're talking hockey we will also ask you kindly to share the podcast with spartans in your life give us a rate review and subscribe to wherever you get podcasts and of course follow us on the old twitter machine at spartan underscore pod gentlemen we got a lot to talk about this week mm-hmm. uh, um and indeed i'm gonna throw it to grek to lay out the structure of the show oh man all right first off Greenwall, where the sport that leads kicks us off football of course huge victory duh that's I mean, that's probably going to be like 20 minutes of podcast time. Uh, then we're going to go to basketball because there's a lot to look forward to there. Uh, then we're going to do a little ad copy, a little Brandon Sands, Brandon with an E, Sands with a Z. Go off Grand River, talk about maybe some other programs in the state and what's happening with them, among other topics. Uh, and then game previews, playing Duke this week, playing Detroit Mercy, which basically never happens in my living memory. And we're playing Western and basketball as well as maybe a game against Ohio State. I don't know. How fast? Plum, how fast does COVID go away? Remind me. Oh, um, how fast do you want it to go away? Because in today's yeah. day and world, it's just that long. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and then, of course, the Twitter questions. So that's the episode for today. Wonderful. All right. Let's start right off with football where, uh, as we all predicted, uh, MSU notched a victory over Northwestern, 29 to 20, uh, really 23, 20. Uh, we scored it at the, as time expired with Northwestern attempting an insane lateral play, um, for the over, by the way, for, for the, <laughs> yes, it was for the over. So if you, yeah. if you took, uh, MSU points, MSU money line and the over, uh, you were, a strange fellow, but, uh, congrats to you. Um, Can you imagine what was going on in those empty sports books? Uh, how many of those tickets had already been thrown away? People that bet the under and then like, just start looking around on the floor for them. (laughs) Yes. Um, It's a good time. It's a good time. Um, so, you know, I think, uh, I, the best place to to talk about this is is I think we'll look at all sides of the ball and kind of focus in on some key differences 
um, and and some places where maybe there weren't clearly as many differences. Um, so I think the place to start most obviously is on offense with Rocky Lombardi. Uh, you know, last game we played, it was Rocky being pulled after a quarter and a half and Peyton Thorne wrapping up the game. Yet Rocky gets the start here. Uh, I think it would be fair to say that he won us the game yet was still not good. Uh, Plum, what's your take here? I think that's a great way of saying it. I would say that um, there were, I think, twice on our group chat that I texted you, he has to go bring in Thorne. So do I regret that? Um, because I think you're, uh, you're the final analysis is right. Um, you know, when he runs, when he, when he acts with confidence and dare I say bravery, courage, um, he has a place in my heart and he shows, he shows the team who he is and what he can do and why he has this sort of metal to pull us through and, and kind of be that grounded center. Um, and then when he chooses to pass the ball, he gives me angina and I have to lay down. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. It's not fun watching him play football, um, but no. I think you have to give him credit this week. Yeah. So Greg, I'll turn it to you, but Lombardi was 11 for 27 uh, in the air, uh, 167 yards with a long of 75. So one pass nearly accounting for half of his total yardage. Right. Uh, the difference here seemed to be the amount that he ran with 10 attempts for 65 yards and a long of 21 seemingly extending quite a few drives or at least making third downs manageable. Um, what was your, what was your thought on what was different about Rocky here versus the other games? And is it only that he didn't turn the ball over? Well, he did once let us not forget (laughs) in the middle of what was an MSU offensive desert. I mean, it was rough in the, middle portions of the game for this MSU offense. A lot of three and outs. Um, here's what I'll say. I think Wildcat Rocky should be here to stay. Uh, I think uh, we drew do a lot more running plays with Rocky Lombardi. Let him take some hits. It's fine. Uh, and then chuck it down the field every once in a while. Draw the defense in. And then, you know, when they sell out a little bit, drop a dime. Because that... Let's be honest, Rocky, I, I think, needs to just only attempt throws over 25 yards, yes. right? And if and if you're at the 20-yard line, then, you know, shoot for the other corner pylon, you know, from whatever hash right. you're on. Like, just <laughs> yes. put as much a distance between you and the receiver as possible. Um, it's, I don't think the drop is that significant to Peyton Thorne, so I'm willing to go ahead Take the risk. Let's use Rocky Lombardi's legs and um, let's get a let's get a grad transfer quarterback in the offseason. <laughs> I, I, I think. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go, well, no, no, go ahead. Well. Yeah, I was going to say, I I want to I want to give him credit, too. I mean, I, in just one other space. And I think that is that we can't hold the drops against him. There were there were at least two two instances, one with Naylor, yeah. one with Reed, that he had expertly timed, perfectly placed passes in fact they may have been his only expertly thrown perfectly placed passes of the game and both times they went right through their hands i know that's college football that's football in general you're gonna have an obvious oops like that unfortunately they came on third downs they were critical errors they were part of that series of three and outs that like just decimated the third quarter for us but um 
it's hard. I almost want to give them some credit too. And just saying it's hard to know when to rely on the guy in his passing when it is as inconsistent as I think we we've often seen, we've seen these past several weeks. So um, I just felt like we needed to acknowledge that too. And I know we're going to get into celebrating Naylor and Reed for a pretty good performance in a couple areas, Reed's special teams blunders, notwithstanding, but um, for the most part, I think it just needed to be said for Rocky there. Sure. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, as we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago, you know, having Rocky be mobile or having a mobile quarterback, uh, much like running a wildcat allows for that offensive mismatch, um, which either makes your run game better or allows you to, to throw over the top, um, which is, you know, would just increase the, hopefully the frequency with which they do that though, you know, uh, TBD on Jay Johnson, seeing what the rest of us are seeing, but the run game, and maybe this is a product of Rocky having some, some, uh, potential on the ground. Yes. Seemingly doing well. Um, I do want to take a moment myself to take a victory lap uh, because I did say last week that Connor Hayward is low key turning into a passable big 10 running back. Um, and in fact, we got a Twitter question from sad MSU sports fan asking Connor Hayward, a dude, a dude. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know that I'm going to call him a dude or a guy, but um, he's he getting does he, maybe. Uh, he, he's maybe a football player. Uh, he does have, uh, in this game had 24 attempts for 96 yards. It's four yards per carry. Only one play of negative yardage. There are a number of times that Connor Hayward made the right cut, found the hole, fell forward. Just, I mean, did those little things that, that he didn't do before. Um, you know, I, you're not going to see Connor Hayward's never going to be a multiple cut running back, but like, he got the one and fell forward. And, and you know, if that changes him from a no gain to a two yard gain kind of back, that's a big difference over the, the aggregate, right? I'm not a, uh, I'm not a running backs coach. I don't know if you guys know this about me. Um, but I thought at the same time, Connor Hayward missed some opportunities in this game. I thought he missed a couple big holes and he does not seem to like to have the blocks develop. All the time <laughs> likes to run He's into the back. Very of the eager. Overly yeah. eager. Yes. But, but uh, I, I want to say very quickly, it, there were times that it seemed like uh, Connor Hayward had open field and had a, holy shit, what's happening right now moment <laughs> where he then slowed down. <laughs> <laughs> Just a panic. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I mean, in a game where unfortunately you're starting running back is out for one reason or another, although I do, I do believe Jordan Simmons was on the, uh, the, uh, sideline, right? Did we see that at the beginning of the game? So presumably this is not a COVID holdout. I would hope. Um, yeah, I, I mean, that's good under those circumstances to have a guy step up in that way. I know Connor Hayward, you know, bit of a tenuous history with the fandom here, but he got what he needed to get yesterday. Plum, we also saw a lot of Eli Collins uh, with, as as Greg pointed out, Jordan Simmons out of the game uh, for unknown reasons. Um, not quite as good as uh, as as Hayward, but did you did you notice anything about his uh, his ability? 
in, in, I mean, you say ability. I mean, what do you mean? Just in terms of, I mean, did, did you feel like it, it, we've we've not seen as much Eli Collins? And I guess for me, it felt like we're getting back to some of what we saw last year. Okay. Uh, granted, he he got stuffed for six yards uh, as a tackle for a loss. Yeah. Um, but. Collins seemed to be progressing. No, maybe? I think that's right. I think that's right. I think that's right. And I think, you know, he had a couple areas. So I, I said a minute ago to, to Greg that Hayward seemed a little hurried, I guess there's he mm-hmm. frantic, uh, frenetic. I don't know. Collins. I don't get that same read with he, there seems to be a little bit more depth and maturity just in terms of the, um, some of his pacing. So there were times where I would look up, you know, and, and be watching the play and just sort of go, wow, Hayward finally got it. And then realize it was Collins that had found the hole. And I don't, that didn't happen every time, obviously, but it happened enough um, that for me, I think he, he was reliable in a way that maybe even surprised um, Jay Johnson. Right. And and he's got another guy that he can go to here, um, which is, which is good. And so I don't know, I, I, I will, I will say that there were times where I thought, oh, thank God it isn't just Hayward right now because dude's just going to see the back of his O-lineman and fall down again. So <laughs> Yeah, so maybe maybe my idea of Hayward uh, finally learning to fall a few yards uh, forward was more of a reflection of the O line getting a push for a few yards, which is what I want to turn to next on the offense. Yeah, uh, the O line looked good, uh, right, Greg? Yeah. What is this Jekyll and Hyde offensive line? I mean, I guess we should be happy mm-hmm. that we get any whichever of those two is better. Is, is it? <laughs> right. Do we prefer Jekyll? Do we prefer Hyde? I'm not sure. Um, like they've been awful before and then they had a great showing when I, against what is supposed to be a, a very stout Northwestern defensive line. So I don't know what to expect from them from week to week. Maybe they step up, maybe Ohio state better be scurred. I have no idea, but they played really well uh, from what I could tell in this game. I mean, Northwestern, I don't think they had a sack, right? Not one. Did Rocky take a sack? Not one. They didn't. Oh, and, yeah. and Northwestern was averaging two sacks per game coming into this game. Um, and worth also noticing, MSU averaged uh, 4.1 yards per carry, which is better than the 3.4 that Wisconsin averaged. I mean, Wisconsin is sort of your prototypical Big Ten running team, right? Yeah. Big dudes on offensive line who can get a push. Um, and uh we did we better than them that's weird yeah uh what did msu what was the yard per carry 4.1 pretty solid you can win games with that so you gotta be gotta be happy about that against a 5-0 and northwestern were... team you've got to be very happy uh about yeah i i, I, I and they're good there wasn't like some huge rushing play that really blows that out of the right. water too that's right. like the the longest rushing play of the game was 21 yards on a Rocky Lombardi scramble. So, um, yeah, I mean, that was consistent production. And, uh, I, I mean, tip of the cap to the offensive scheme and, and coaching staff. Yeah, maybe this is Coach Cap finally earning his keep. And by finally, yeah. I mean, I'm sure he has been. But, like, this is maybe what we're paying for is that that sort of in-season development Mm-hmm. Though Plum, I think we've noted that not that sometimes it hasn't been the O line, right? Like the O line has actually been doing some things right and getting better, and the running backs have been missing holes. So maybe it's just a, a coalescing of these two two fronts. Yeah, 
uh, like a cold front and a warm front, and uh, the tornado it is produces. That, I don't. Is that a tornado? <laughs> Again, is this what we want? Is this a good I, thing? This so? is the analogy I was I was searching for. Yes, I want it to be a good thing. I don't know. I I do know that if the O line could be even fifty percent as um, predictable as the defensive line is, I would be very happy, just elated, even. Um, so to your Jekyll and Hyde, I'll take Jekyll like crazy. I have to go to jail Jekyll because I'm, or is that a good thing? I actually, now this analogy is completely broken up. The point is (laughs) let's just talk about the defense because they looked very good and there was a lot to hang our hat on. And I, I liked them. They felt comfortable. They were causing turnovers. Uh, they were registering sacks. I, I loved everything. I love Drew Beasley. I <laughs> love a lot of things. What do I say? What do I say? What do you say? What does I think say? Lindsay was shook at the end of this game. I don't think he had any confidence at all. Uh, I wasn't that worried at the end of the game when Northwestern got the, the game back because I don't think Peyton Ramsey has a very strong arm. And he just looked panicked at times as well. So that's totally a credit to the defensive line and their ability to get to him. They had what four sacks yeah. on the day. Yep. Fantastic. Really, really good. Yeah. That was uh, one shy of doubling our season total. Um, and, and I think one of the, the points in the game, Greg, to your point about the defensive line that, that stands out to me. And, and I, you know, this is also a bit of the linebacking core, but is there was a, a goal line stand that, uh, Northwestern ended up scoring on, but it was because they, they did a sort of, uh, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? A naked bootleg, um, Mm -hmm. out uh, off of some trickery. Yeah. But if they had actually handed the ball off MSU for like the fourth time in a row would have blown up that line and had stopped a score. So uh, there is, there's the D line hasn't been disappointing per se this season. And indeed, at times has been good, but this was a uh, seemingly exemplary uh, showing on their part. Um, Plum, you'd mentioned the secondary as as a place that you were particularly excited. Shakur Brown has two interceptions, makes him tied overall for best in the country. Uh, we got a lot of guys back from either injury or question mark COVID. Um, so. Uh, the secondary unit is looking pretty good too. Yeah. They're looking fantastic. Uh, great hat tip to Shakur Brown. Um, his, uh, season, his, his season total now of interceptions is up to five, which, uh, is a tie for the big 10 lead. So you've got to give him a lot of credit cause he's showing up and he's, he's putting in hard work. It's, it's, it's resulting in confidence building. It's resulting in metal. It's giving us, uh, you know, good looks to, to continue to play and nothing gets these guys going. Nothing gets a Spartan team going like a pick, like just kind of reversing trends. And we continue to see trends. When you look at the overall narrative of the game, the game flow, um, it, one of those second half um, picks that he had, I think late in the third quarter, early in the fourth um, was one of those that kind of just stopped that momentum and got us an opportunity that we needed. So that's huge. I would say that um, our secondary was on them like white on rice, uh, or brown on rice, if you prefer brown rice, and um, and 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 it forced Northwestern in some respects um, when they could catch the ball to catch it in absolutely stunning ways. One of the, I think I texted you in the second quarter, 
Jones, they he caught the uh, the the receiver for Northwestern caught the ball laying on the ground. Like he just had gotten beat and stumbled and fell and just sort of as he fell, he looked up and the ball just landed in his lap and then he just he caught it. And it was sort of like you could see Brown just kind of like putting his hands up like how and it was like yeah there's there no explanation like you no one could that doesn't make sense if he hadn't if he hadn't stumbled the ball would have hit him in the back of the helmet so like that's just silly um but it's that level of coverage that you're always going to get an oops like that so i think i think you got to give the secondary a ton of credit they were my favorite part of watching the game on saturday uh it is worth mentioning one of shakur brown's uh interceptions did come with a a scary moment um where yes. uh berkeley holman holman sorry uh of northwestern uh it's unclear what happened um you know whether it was a concussion or if there was some um some sort of spinal or neck trauma um he ended up being taken off in a cart there seemed to be a flurry of activity getting him onto a stretcher um, was taken to a local hospital. It sounds like everything's okay. Um, which yeah. if, if that's not been resolved, uh, we are certainly wishing him well. Um, and, uh, and so, uh, just worth mentioning, uh, it's, it, it's strange to me that people still play this sport as much as I enjoy it. Um, <laughs> cause I have a hard time with the notion that my son would someday play this game. Um, yeah. As he was on the turf, it was kind of like, Oh good for an empty football stadium so that we can watch from home during COVID time. Yeah. Worthwhile. Yeah. Um, back to the game right after that. And I watched the whole thing. (laughs) Uh, we'll just say Antoine Simmons. Uh, we pointed out two very high, uh, high points of the game. Still put in a hell of a game. 13 tackles, including two for a loss and a sack. Uh, Antoine Simmons is a dude, a stud, a football player, and a guy. Um, but uh, where we have some question marks, <laughs> special teams. Um, place kicking, fine. Matty C, ugliest field goal I've ever seen to essentially win the game at 48 yards. Three for Matty. four. Three for four. That's a pilot. But... I, I think uh, punting is the place we got to talk about. Yeah, I got to go. Greg, you this some is, I'm going to I'm going to see myself out. Do you remember <laughs> earlier in this year when you had this? What what was it that you speculated that MSU sacrificed uh, field position because they wanted more space to boom the punt? Oh, and then Bryce Berenger dr- drops an 11 yarder. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we're so far past that. That was not a good take at the time, and you, now it has aged like milk. You, you, you recall we also predicted that um, shoot, Crawford would be the starting punter because he was a transfer. Yeah. Uh, uh, that, we need another transfer. Maybe there's a quarterback <laughs> punter two-for-one special out there in the portal. Uh, that's Ricky Lombardi. That. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Oh my gosh, get him out there for punts. It cannot get worse. It cannot. Oh my god. The special teams this week was awful. Uh returns were just as anemic as Milk they always toast. are. Yep. And some of the coverage did make my heart jump a little bit. It seemed like Northwestern had a couple opportunities to the break kick couple. coverage in particular this week seemed oh to be Oh my god yikes like if they're Special. taking it out of the end zone they should not be getting further than 25 and uh number two makes an appearance huh number two number two's all over the field 
uh, you know, runs into the uh, to the receiver on I, a punt. I have a little empathy for him on that. That that felt like a tough penalty, a penalty for sure, but a tough one. Yeah, you disagree. I mean, how often do you see guys running into punters or into kick returners? Like, you can't do that. It's fine. It's all right. Julian will get it back. Um, let's uh, let's move on to some basketballs. Yeah. Where we had two games. We had a victory over Eastern Michigan University, 83 to 67, and a victory mm-hmm. over Notre Dame, 80 to 70. Uh, let's start with the EMU game that we mentioned last week before the game that EMU uh, had a lot of size. Um, had a lot of depth at size and uh, ran a two, three zone ends up being EMU did not have depth, but did run a two, three zone. Greg, what was your take on the EMU game? Uh, Foster lawyer, uh, again, just like MSU athletics in general, I never doubted foster lawyer for a minute. Um, I think we, I think we probably should have called out in our preview of that game that Foster Lawyer in his career has had his biggest games against Mac schools. And, uh, he had another one, uh, he had another one that he would have a good game. Yeah. I do think we previewed that correctly. Yeah. Um, Foster Lawyer, two, three zone destroyer. Yes. Yes. Big time shot right through it. I mean, it, he had a fantastic night. EMU barely stood a chance. Um, we had a offsetting night from Rocket Watts. Game one against Eastern for Rocket was not good. Uh, he had a bit of a bounce back against Notre Dame, as we'll see here but uh, in a moment. But interesting things coming from this team, including, do you remember last season that like basically 95% of all of MSU's baskets were assisted? We attributed that entirely to Cassius Winston at the time, but now here we are between Eastern and Notre Dame, 60 made field goals, 53 assists. So that trend is continuing. They're making the extra, the extra pass. Um, they're finding guys down low. They're doing a fantastic job. Um, and in, it, I mean, we saw that against Eastern and then we saw that again against Notre Dame. Yeah, uh, I think it's it's worth saying that, you know, the EMU game seems a bit bizarre in that, sure, you look at 83-67, but it never felt like we quite got it out of hand. And considering we beat EMU like 104 to 44 last year, yeah, that is a, and EMU only had eight guys available, uh, it's a bit of a disappointing score, but you know, you figure Hauser hasn't played in over a year. Josh Langford hasn't played in nearly two years. You are turning over a lot of minutes. It's COVID and they're playing in a Breslin that's uncomfortable for what they're used to. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm not totally disappointed. I'm less encouraged by the assist stats only because in a zone, everything's probably going to be assisted for the most part. Um, sure. And that said, I we're going to talk about it too with Notre Dame. They played very effectively in a zone, which you know requires some heads up passing. Um, and Notre Dame runs quite a bit of zone, so 
you know, we, you also had that kind of doubling down on, on it, but, um, I, you know, it, it does make me think that if we ever had to play Syracuse, we'll be fine. Yeah. I mean, they we, just played and beat baby Syracuse. So, um, I, I mean, I, I was pretty encouraged by everything that we saw in the EMU game. Um, end of the game, what was the three point percentage? Uh, in that first game, like 42%, 43 shot right out of it. Yep. Um, and then we get to see Josh Langford. I mean, it's real. He's been playing really well yep. these last couple of games. Yes. Um, his defense so. has been great. Yeah. It, I mean, and you could tell there was a little bit of cobwebs, but like mm-hmm. it cobwebs, not like I'm, I'm hampered. Right. You know? Uh, and so, God, this is going to be a really exciting year. Uh, let's head over to the Notre Dame game where MSU won 80 to 70 uh, in a game that was not as close as the score indicates. Um, right. I mean, like the garbage time is probably screwing us in the Kempom rankings um, because that game was out of hand, probably around 10 minutes left in the game. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so, very out of hand uh, at that point. Plum, what were your sort of, uh, what were some of your takeaways from the game? Um, I couldn't tell what kind of zone defense Notre Dame was running. I don't know if you can like help me on that lady later on. Cause like, I really struggle. <laughs> I like tried to go to Graham couch to like, see if he could help me figure it out. And <laughs> I like, it wasn't helpful. So like, maybe that's, but I just probably need to like brush up a little bit. Cause I'm kind of dumb. Um, <laughs> No, I I thought they, this. I loved seeing this. I loved coming off a strong Northwestern win. I loved um, putting the Christmas tree up and decorating it while watching Michigan State basketball. My cardiologist will not let me sit and watch a basketball game anymore. I have to be doing something else that keeps my attention because um, that's apparently how uh, Widowmaker heart attacks take place. And I'm not even married. So that all stated. That all stated. Um, uh, Watts was fantastic off the bench. Um, loved that he didn't start. Happy that he didn't start. Glad that he didn't start. Um, because he doesn't need to be yet, in my opinion. Um, and he was more solid coming in with this sort of like high energy, making Steve smile. I'm sorry, Tom smile through the probably Stevie too. Smile underneath their uh, their weird mesh face masks. Are those were they mesh? I couldn't tell. Um, Defense. I loved them. Yeah. 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 Defense was what we, what we thought we would get. Um, maybe they were a little bit better. Um, Aaron Henry was an absolute dream. Uh, I thought he was, I thought he was the kind of, again, I've been talking about steadiness, calm, confidence, metal. He was exactly where we needed him to be. I know you guys are going to jump into Julius Hauser and I just want to own this. I, I stand. Is that the past tense? I was standing for Sissoko last week. And then I had to ask myself who, who he didn't show Who up. do we stand yeah, for? That was a whoops. That was a whoops. Um, but you guys, some of those alley-oops were sick and I, um, I was trying to get Yali to alley-oop with me, but it didn't work. And I think I injured her. So Yali, <laughs> come on, man. That again. No, but it was good. You guys, I mean, it was very, very, very good. I was very happy. And, uh, Ken Palm can, I'll take Ken Palm can take my comments off the air. We'll just leave that at that. <laughs> uh, Greg, what did you think after the Notre Dame game? Three point shooting, not quite as strong uh, in that game. It, Gabe Brown was on fire against Eastern, and he sort of came God, back to earth yes. against oh, uh, Notre Dame. You thought so? Well, he only he shot one for five for three. 
in oh uh, oh in oh and, and three point I because I still yeah. felt like he was an important part of this game. Oh, he was Gabe. Yeah, Gabe's really found a role here, man. Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. Gabe, yeah. Like, let's talk it, about that for a second. He seems perfectly content with this role, uh, coming off the bench, playing about twenty minutes, playing quite a bit towards the end of games. Um, I I mean, Gabe Gabe is looking to be pretty comfortable in what he's being asked to do. And he's being very productive in his time on the floor. I've been very, very impressed by, by him having watched his whole career. Um, five but, steals in that game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, two blocks, five steals. That is like, that's a defensive outing. Yeah. Uh, a couple boards as well. I would like to see Gabe get a couple more boards, yes. but it's hard to do when you've <laughs> when, got when yes. you've got Joey Hauser getting every single board on the planet. Good God, sixteen rebounds against Notre Dame. Unreal, unreal, unreal. And and I would say something I noticed that Hauser did that. Um, and maybe it's just something I hadn't noticed MSU teams do before, but a great number of times it wasn't just getting the board. It was him actually kicking the board back to the point. Um, it wasn't even coming down with it. It was just sort of getting up there and essentially passing it to whoever was at the point, uh, feeling less need to control the board and take it back up versus sort of getting a fresh possession. Um, sure. And that that struck me as very heads up um, that he didn't feel like he needed to get up there, grab it and then take it right back to the to the hole that he could he could set everyone back up again. Um, anyway, I'll let you continue on on the Hauser and, and Gabe Brown train. And I think we got to throw Henry in here. I mean, Henry yeah. had a really good game, um, not shooting particularly well from the field, uh, but. Henry seems to really be finding himself as a distributor as well, which is very useful given that um, you might disagree, but I think uh, it looks like moving the ball around. A lot of our buckets are going to be assisted this year. Um, so that's a huge help. Did you notice that he was the only starter on the floor when, when it was, you know, Stevie Izzo time? I, I wonder what that's about. Is it just because like there just may the not be someone general? there that's good? Yeah, you need to have someone out there. So it's someone playing defense. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's worth saying. You're right. He he didn't have necessarily the greatest shooting night. He went four for eleven from the field, but five from five from the free throw line. Um, four blocks, a steal, eight rebounds, like. I mean, the five for five from the free throw line is the piece that's most interesting to me. That was, you know, that's Aaron Henry drawing contact that that is, you know, as much of a disruptive factor as as anything else. Yeah, he attempted more free throws than anyone else on the team. So he's slashing. He's getting to the bucket. He's drawing fouls. He uh, it's very clear that he listened to the feedback that he got from NBA guys in the off season. And he's implementing that in his game. Yeah. His uh, it's very I, encouraging. I made a note that his stat line is very much like an Aaron, Aaron Henry stat line of, of the last like five games that we saw last year, except louder, right? Like Aaron Henry was an influencer in this game. Whereas I think last year we talked about him sort of stealthily putting up 
these numbers. And it was, particularly in the first half, kind of the Aaron Henry show, which was mm-hmm. really exciting. Um, I think we got to talk about the five spot, though. Right? We got we yeah. got to spend a minute on this. This podcast may go long. Shocker. But, like, the five is an interesting question because Julius Marble, someone we were kind of excited about only seeing three minutes of playing time, which is just as much as Matty Sissoko, someone who, I mean, <laughs> the block in the Eastern game was hilarious, yeah. uh, where he looked like he was trying out for the beach volleyball team, uh, spiking it. But uh, a lot of minutes going to Kithier, question mark? I told you Kithier was going to start at the five. I told you. But uh, yeah. Kithier and Mar and Bingham played what? Basically the same minutes, right? They, yeah, they both played 15. They took an even split. Um, I don't think this team has found its five yet, uh, but I am a little bit worried about Julius Marble long-term. I don't know what his role is going to be because Hauser's got a clear role. Um, you know, obviously Gabe Brown is going to potentially swing to that you know, swing things a little bit so that maybe even Hauser's playing the five at times. I, uh, I'm worried about Maddie Sissoko or not Maddie Sissoko, but, uh, but Julius Marble long-term on this team. I'm not sure about him. Yeah. I will say, uh, I, I think Marcus Bingham is in a, in a prove it mode right now to Izzo. Um, he has notably done a better job of staying low and, and less sort of, you know, trying to be a stretch five, I guess. Um, he he put up an, an, a fine, uh, an impressive seven boards when you consider that Joey Hauser was boxing out literally his own teammates. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, four blocks from Marble. And I'm just looking at what Kithier contributed. Uh, so Kithier had three boards to, to Bingham's seven, zero uh, blocks to Bingham's four. Like, there's upside there, right? Oh yeah, there is. And and don't undersell Mar- uh, um, um, those blocks. Um, oh yeah, they're huge. They're huge. I mean, right? I mean, th- those were those are again. Now I want to say game changing. Well, they wasn't really weren't game changing considering we were in the lead the whole time uh, at that point. But they were just that's the kind of energy piece that this team feeds off of. Um, they just made me so happy. He looked so good out there. Um, to your point, I mean, Bingham, Bingham looked very good out there. So if it's a trust building thing, I hope that this was a performance that strengthened him in, in Izzo's eyes. Yeah. I think the last thing that I think we got to talk about before we move on and, and we can keep it brief, but the blocks bring it up and, and we will have a chance to see how for real this is, uh, when we play Duke next in two days, but, um, one day when people are listening to this, but it, the defense in this game was as much the story as if not more so than anything on offense, you know, the, the sort of the, uh, the graph that tracks things on ESPN at one point in time was just a flat line for Notre Dame because there was a, a huge chunk of time, maybe as much as 12 minutes of game time or more. Basically the end of the first half, most of the beginning of the second, right? Yeah. Where Notre Dame did not score. Uh, I mean, they went and, and the mental grind that that has to, you know, just sort of grinder that that has to put a team through. We talked about it, right? We called this, but this Mm -hmm. 
appears to be bearing out in, in reality that this team is going to be exceptional on defense. Comments, well, anyone? No, we'll find out. We'll find out in a couple days. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's head off Grand River before we do a quick word from our friend Brandon Sands. Uh, Greg, you've you've used Brandon Sands, so why don't you tell the folks what they need to know about Brandon? What folks need to know, not just about Brandon Sands, but about market rates in general, is that they're very near historical lows, exceptionally low rates. And if you happen to be in the market to buy a home, we have a mortgage loan originator for you. Our guy, Brandon Sands, Brandon with an E, Sands with a Z, has closed well over 10,000 loans and works at one of the largest mortgage lenders in the country, guaranteed rate. Now, I've worked with Brandon. It was a fantastic experience. It was, I felt like I was a you know a part of the family, basically. It was like, you know, reach out. Text me after hours, you know, how, how are things with the folks? You know, all of that kind of stuff. It was, it was amazing. And you know what? Now that it's over, we have a bond. My mortgage, which actually <laughs> no longer belongs to Gary, right? but that's not important. Uh, <laughs> what's important is that Brandon and I really had something during my entire process, and he can have that with you as well. So if you look at your mortgage, if it's over 4%, you're an idiot. Fix it right now. Call Brandon Sands. Uh, that's Brandon with an E, Sands with a Z, and uh, maybe consolidate some of my interest debt or refinance your home while you're in there. So that's rate.com backslash Brandon Sands, rate.com backslash B R A N D E N S A N Z. Reach out right now. Lovely. Thank you, Brandon, of course, for sponsoring the show. Let's head off Grand River, and we have two topics for today. One- I don't think there's anything else to talk about in the Big Ten in the state of Michigan. I don't think there's anything. Yes, indeed. Bullet point is ha 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 Michigan sucks. Uh, I I don't know what to say. For those who don't know, Michigan lost to a winless Penn State who was in their own sort of disaster, but I think maybe saved face with this victory. Um, There's, they have a real, a real crisis right now. They've hired the guy that was the guy to be their coach. And he is so clearly not the guy uh, in Jim Harbaugh uh, that, you know, I'm not saying he's Brady Hoke, but like whatever they think their promised land is, He's not taking him there. So whoa, 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 um, whoa, whoa! They beat Rutgers in three <laughs> overtimes last week. Now I'm not going to sit them here credit <laughs> and let you disparage that team because you'll recall our team did not beat uh, <laughs> Rutgers, Rutgers in any overtime. Right. So they deserve <laughs> they deserve some credit. You're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, Rutgers. Well-known barometer for whether you're good in the Big Ten or not. Thank you. Um, <laughs> How much does it hurt if you have these delusions of grandeur? You're a you're a Michigan fan. You you're in you're seven you're six of your dude, the guy, the savior, and you look up the road, and a team that lost to Rutgers in Week One with its brand new coach is in a better position as a, <laughs> as a program than your guy. In year six. Yeah, it is the hard. Guy, not, it's hard not to look and say, I feel better about where our program is than them. Oh, oh my God. If you, Be, if I had, there's no question. Because in, at in all, four games, if you had to choose one. The trend line for Michigan State is clearly on a very steep upward trajectory. 
And in that many seasons in Ann Arbor, the line is the, the slope is as significant, but in the absolute wrong direction. Um, you you work in medicine. Is there a word for when you flatline, (laughs) but then your heart rate somehow goes negative? Uh, it's when they seemingly flatlined and then are doing worse now. What's that called? Uh, time of death, 9.08 PM. I think you just call it. I think that's the the phrases you just call it. And, And so to this point, can I just say, listening to the ESPN commentators, uh, talk about, the, the yes. upset win that Michigan State had over Michigan, you know, I, we have to knock this off. And I know that ESPN commentators in general just suck. It's such a national brand that they're just having interns feed them shit to say on the air, and that's fine. And these people aren't people that I would necessarily trust just in general or on any specific team-worthy conversation. But but how how long does does – Jim, John, Joe Harbaugh, does anyone care, have to suck at Michigan until this this sort of little brother atmosphere is gone, until every single time we beat them, which, of course, now the record is, I don't know how many how many wins in the last 10 years. I mean, eight, nine? I mean, I don't it's, it's It is, at what point is, does it stop being this sort of underdog? It's, 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 it's incredibly frustrating to me to continue to hear. If you, yeah, if you wanted to say then perceived to be upset, that's right. fair. But, but the but better team won that yes. day, and I would choose our team over their team. And history has borne this so. out fully at this point. But so we, I think we've we've dogged on them enough. Like it, it does seem like they're in a bit of a conundrum right now. Jim Harbaugh's next next year is his last year in his contract. We are yeah. in a time where Michigan has, uh, I believe, laid off and furloughed people from their athletic department. So it doesn't matter. Well, that's so, not relevant. <laughs> uh, well, so buying him out would be uh, insensitive at best. Um, they'll do it if they need to do it. They'll do it. Well, they don't care. so do they? Like, I, I mean, do I'll tell you do what they, they do? Just, they just get rid of the football program. Just close it down. It's not really one much to speak of at this point, anyway. And invest in men's lacrosse. It'll do more for them in the longer term. And it's really more on brand with who they want to be. Just live yeah, who into they, it. who they think they are. Their self-perception. Uh, yeah, just uh, bulldoze over the big hole. Just uh, the big hole. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> drop those two you know buildings that they put up right there in the middle. Put a nice grasslands over it, and uh, someday build a you know another research lab for U of M Hospital or something like that on that site. Um, or maybe they can park cars there for pioneer football games. I don't know. Whatever they want to do. Um, Art fair. I don't think. Fair. I don't think they get rid of him this year. I don't think he can. Uh, I think he's too ingrained in the program. I think they're going to hold on to him, and he's going to have another mediocre year next year, and then probably another mediocre year after that, and then maybe something will happen. But I'm I'm super fascinated changing. by the fact that there's not been more successful negative recruiting against them, given that he is entering his last year of his contract and uh, has not uh, seemingly is, is not negotiating for an extension and also is having the worst year ever under his tenure. Right. Like, I mean, it's it. He seems to be recruiting at the same clip. Those those sleepovers seem to be paying off. Yeah, to the same degree that they have been and produce this. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, this product that you see on the field. So well, I'm not worried about it. So I don't care. Do you think it's a, a talent assessment issue or do you think it's a coaching issue? 
Well, there's definitely no question in my mind that they get recruiting bumps, that their rankings are inaccurate. They don't actually represent the talent that they actually, that they get in the end. Cause for whatever you want to say, they drive a lot of subscriptions to those recruiting websites. Sure. So I think that definitely happens, but however you want to cut it, their program just cannot motivate these guys to be, to win. So I, it doesn't matter who they get. I sincerely believe that they're going to be mediocre no matter what. Sure. I think it's the program over there. I think it's the institution. I don't, I'm starting to think that I used to think that the upward, you know, the limit for this Michigan program was like one that should be in the big 10 championship game, like every three years or something like that. I'm starting to think five, seven, maybe is about all you can, you can wish for. Yeah, I, I, I do think U of M would be better off reevaluating who they think they are. And if they, if they came around to the idea that they were more like Michigan State, more like Iowa, more like Wisconsin, and that, you know, y- you, if you build for it, you can knock off Ohio State every now and again. And maybe you sustain a few years in a row where, you, you know, you trade blows with them. That they would be far happier people far more fulfilled and, and, and frankly, probably be able to get coaches that aren't run out of town because with the exception of Harbaugh, they've run some people. We can talk about rich rod and whether maybe that was warranted or not, but like, I I can't imagine at this point in time, anyone wants to coach for them. Mike Leach, Mike Leach would love to come coach at Michigan, (laughs) a real Michigan man. Some, some have said, (laughs) Well, it would make things even more interesting in the state. So I might be for something like that. I'm here for it. Well, while um, Michigan uh, continues to stain the notion of college football, I think it's worth uh, us spending a few minutes to celebrate a a genuinely awesome moment in in Vanderbilt being trounced by Missouri. Yes. Uh, But... (laughs) Vanderbilt, uh, their their kicking room came down with COVID, and so they called up the uh, the goaltender for their SEC championship women's soccer team, Sarah Fuller, to be their place kicker, uh, making her the first woman to play in a Power Five football game, um, or at least uh, first first recorded woman is maybe the the better way of saying that. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is that true? Is it, should we qualify it in that way? Well, I, 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 like, I'm not trying to be super duper woke, but like, I don't want to make assumptions about people's. Ah, uh, I get it. Yeah. I get so, what you're saying. Um, it, it'd be sort of like saying the first sort of gay person to play in a game. Um, sure. but anyway, Sarah Fuller makes history either way. And that's something worth celebrating. Uh, she has one appearance because Vanderbilt is big, bad, uh, <laughs> and, and kicks a squib kick to start off the, uh, the second half, uh, making it about to the 35 yard line for an un, uh, unreturnable kick, which, uh, was exemplary. Um, Again, never gets to kick an extra point or field goal because Vandy is big bad, so bad that they fired their coach after the game. Aww, uh, <laughs> um, 
but I, I think I want to spend a couple minutes on this because I, I don't know about you guys, but I, I found this to be a, an incredibly inspiring moment. Um, mm-hmm. and so I have some thoughts. Um, I don't know if anyone else has some that they want to share first. Uh, but uh, Plum, do you got anything you want to say about oh, it? Oh, I have a few things I could say. Um, I first always love to see SEC championship soccer players coming and showing football how actual athletes play sports. Good for <laughs> her. I have refereed SEC uh, soccer. I have refereed for uh, Vanderbilt, in fact, and uh, found the coaching staff there to be quite wonderful and lovely. And so it would say that um, uh, nice, just a nice a personal celebratory moment there. But that stated, uh, individuals I would like to call out by name on the pod for their absolute silliness um, with respect to this situation, which full stop is only deserving of praise. That's it. That's all that was required. Sarah Fuller des- deserved simply to be acknowledged and celebrated. Full stop, period. Nothing else. There, there doesn't need to be anything else. So when Jake Reitma, uh, for those who don't know Jake, uh, he's on the ticket, 97.1, uh, WWJ 950. He's uh, apparently he hosts a bunch of GLIAC stuff. I think he went to Northwood and maybe he played football there. or I don't know if he even started. Um, had, had, this, had this tweet, and I, I, I want to read this verbatim because I think it's an important to really dissect what toxic masculinity looks like and what um, patriarchal... Uh, and sort of paternalistic bloviation really sounds like. So here's Jake. I love and respect women. I'm 100% for women empowerment and 100% equality. I am constantly amazed by the barriers women break down every single day. Now, I'm going to just stop right there and just say, that's all he needed to say. And then he could have retweeted the <laughs> yeah. Sports Center moment celebrating Sarah. That's all he, he could have just stopped there and everyone would have been like, God, Jake, that's great. Like a guy like you, a lot of visibility celebrating, you know, you were only a D two football player, which is effectively like, I don't know. I've seen division one high school football teams that are probably just as good at North, as Northwood was. So you, you, so you, you, but you still have some position. You, you still have some, some position of power and we, and we would all really celebrated you a lot of, you've got a lot of cross tweeting, a lot of retweeting, a lot of commented tweets, just, you know, all of the tweets. Okay. But he goes on. That said, oh, just don't need anything else. There. We don't need an and, we don't need a but, we don't need an or, we don't need a however. We certainly didn't need a that said. I do not think this is a good idea purely from a player's safety perspective. Football at that level is just too violent. And, and you know, I think with that, Jake just entrenched himself solidly in the vein of men who just have an opinion about what is good and what is bad for women and for their bodies. And I don't know when men specifically are going to realize that women don't give a fuck. Okay, Jake. And I, you know, I'm sorry. And I know on the pod, we really try to keep it PG, but, but that has to be said, but that I certainly haven't ever, but that has to be said to Jake. (laughs) No one cares. No one, you have to sit down. You have to shut up. No one needs that tweet. No one needs it. No one needs the long, you should, you should look him up, go look him up and then see the conversation that it started around people debating women's bodies and the biology of whether they're actually as strong. And someone pointed out that in fact, she's actually physically bigger than he is or was when he played for Northwood. And then he, then he wanted to make a comment about sort of who is, now I'm not going to spend any more time dissecting him or anything else other than to say in general, 
men bloviating and opining about things that do not concern them has to stop in this country. It's 2020. It is 100 years too late, 200 years too late. It is so many years past what we should be doing. But my God, it felt nice to tell him to shut up and sit down. And I will say that he took my advice and he tweeted back that he was seated, that he had sat down. And I have to assume that he was reflecting. Unfortunately for him, he still hasn't deleted the tweet. And once he does that, and apparently, and I think should issue a mea culpa, both, uh, well, really just to Sarah, because she's the only one that deserves any of his apology, though I can guarantee you and all of our listeners that she also doesn't G-A-F. Oh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Jake is not the only one. There are some people from ESPN, uh, who, who said, you know, is this just a publicity stunt? Uh, did they not go to the Vanderbilt men's soccer team to which a quick Google search would have uh, found? They don't have one. My God, the SEC doesn't play men's soccer. Like, come on guys. Like that, that's, that's a power five conference that doesn't have a men's soccer. Like everybody that knows anything about soccer knows that the SEC doesn't play soccer. And again, this just goes back to my point about ESPN. (laughs) Yeah, so um, I would, uh, look, I think uh, Alex isn't editorializing on his own. Um, Men tend to to suck uh, quite a bit, and uh, this was awesome. Um, I don't think it's, you know, and I tweeted something out about that. We have women in war zones, like what, what stops her from playing football? And, and, but I don't think you need that example. I felt a little awkward even saying it like that. You need to say, well, they can do this one thing. So obviously they can do another. No, just women can do what women want to do. And, you know, it, it was, this was a very cool moment. I, I would just, I would add that, uh, I was a little bummed out that this was on the SEC network, and this is a bit trivial, mm. but a, a, a genuine moment of history was made, and it, it felt like something that, in ordinary circumstances, you would have seen your game, or pre-streaming, or pre-all this uh, this sort of packaged conference league, uh, you know, television. You you would have seen a cut away from your or a picture in picture from your broadcast to mm. see this moment. And, and it, and it felt like a moment that I would have wanted to share with my son. And certainly if he was older, I would have wanted him to see because it was an important trailblazing, awesome moment that, that y- you can see uh, that irrespective of, of uh, who you are, that you can idolize that moment. And that you, you that we didn't have sort of this communal moment as, as sans you being on Twitter and waiting for the thing. Like it, it just it felt like I don't I don't want to say appointment television, but it, it felt like it should have been more of a communal American moment of of something truly groundbreaking that was happening. And and I would say the same thing if the game was on the Big Ten network. Like it, it's just now not available to people. So Greg, you got anything to add? No, I think you guys did it. Uh, it. I mean, most of what was said on Twitter was encouraging and good, but there are, man, there were some really terrible takes, and I'm glad that we we as a podcast took that t- ticket idiot to task. Um, no, it was really exciting. It was it was fantastic. I'm happy for for her and for everyone. 
Yeah. Uh, except for at Vanderbilt, where they got blown out. <laughs> uh, let's just add real quick, because Sarah Fuller, um, on the back of her helmet, had, I believe, hashtag play like a girl. Um, it is a 501c3 that is super duper awesome. Um, it uh, It's meant to inspire girls through sport and active play to... Uh, and to help propel them into, uh, you know, using sport to give them a competitive edge in the classroom and propel young women into competitive male dominated careers in STEM. Uh, so it is, it is connecting both, uh, you know, female empowerment, uh, in whatever form and using athletics, which is also awesome, but is promoting women in STEM, which is a wonderful cause. So if anyone feels like uh, checking out the organization, donating to the cause, it's iplaylikeagirl.org. Here, here. Uh, with that, uh, let's head to our next uh, sponsor, Plum. It's preserved homemade, which you are, uh, I believe, a fan of. Do you want to read some ad copy? I love ad copy. I can't read though, um, nor can I write. But I will just pontificate. <laughs> just say it from the heart, me. Alex. But I, just say it from the I'm heart. Just gonna say it from the heart. I'm going to just tell you how I feel. Listen, preserved homemade is uh well it is in all honesty a goods and provision store and they bring you the tastes of home in the form of homemade treats now listen homemade treats what are we talking about here we're talking about staple and seasonal winter cookies specifically their newest dropped which is coming on december 15th will feature chocolate and peppermint will feature italian wedding cookies will feature everyone's favorite holiday molasses cookie and of course gingerbread but but if you are not a huge fan of seasonal cookies, don't 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 give up on those OG chocolate chips. You know that I've had those OG chocolate chips. You know that the only cookie that I can even dream about anymore is a preserved homemade chocolate chip cookie. So do yourself a favor. Do your loved ones a favor. Do your worst enemies a favor and order them like four times the amount of what they should eat because they'll probably get some sort of condition uh check out instagram uh preserved underscore homemade uh, or head to their website which is preserved-homemade.com treat yourself get somebody some homemade goodness and i'll tell you this uh you know i think they're even offering um some in, in the immediate ann arbor saline area they might even be offering some uh, some drop off uh for folks who are interested in uh, getting some uh socially distanced porch drops of some delectable baked goods. So go give them a check preserved-homemade.com or on Instagram preserved uh, preserved underscore homemade. Yes. Uh, and uh, if we're going to get some details on that December 15th drop in addition to what we said, but uh, if anyone has some interest in preserved homemade, feel free to uh, obviously follow them, but uh, you can reach out to us and we will make sure to uh, connect you with the order that you deeply, deeply desire. Uh, let's head to game previews in what is actually ending up being a long episode. Uh, we have four games to preview. Um, so well, one of them, the football one is unlikely yeah, to happen. Yeah, Can we, so, should we just acknowledge that? <laughs> yeah. So, um, we'll talk about Ohio state last. Uh, I don't think we're going to spend a lot of time on it other than to say that we think something's weird over there. Um, but anyway, basketball, <laughs> big one, Duke in, uh, in a, uh, in a champions classic game that color me shocked is going to be played at Duke. Um, with a, but I, I don't think this is that terrible because they've said that there will be a, a return trip, right? As a result of this yet, yeah, they've not said when, 
<laughs> but, but the fact that you'll get one, I'll take that. Someday. I mean, it's hard to get Duke to come to campus. Um, yeah, yeah Duke so, does not travel. Um, so I'll take that. It's like how we agreed to go to Michigan this year. I think it was a fantastic idea because now Michigan's going to have to come back to Spartan Stadium next fall in front of everyone. So I, I'm not that bothered by this taking place in Durham. It, not least which because it's a more controlled environment than doing this. Who knows where it would have been rescheduled if it was still the champions classic. So I, ideally it would be Breslin center, but this isn't that bad either. Anyway, continue Jonesy. Yeah. So this is going to be a weird Duke team. Uh, it, it, it's going to be kind of ish like last year's Duke team, which was not a ton of star power. Um, this may be actually even less star power for a Duke team. Um, they have a returning forward in Matthew Hurt, which, you know, he was a, a high-end prospect last year who came in as a freshman, didn't quite perform as expected. Um, it, not that he was bad, he just wasn't as hyped as, uh, or as good as it was, as was advertised. Uh, so we're going to take a step this year. The nice thing about Matthew Hurt is that he's able to um, spread the floor. He's kind of a... I don't know, maybe a Joey Hauser esque, uh, hmm. except maybe make some three pointers. Joey, yeah, except for Joey has not made one yet. <laughs> yeah, we're looking at you, Joey. Uh, this is going to continue to be a Coach K team, though. They are not going to do a ton of pick and roll. They are going to attempt to uh, create space, to create open up driving lanes. Um, they are very athletic, uh, even though they're reloading with three NBA departures. Uh, the, the folks, the guys that they have reloaded with are quite athletic. Um, and so you will see a lot of driving dishing to the outside, uh, when they get a collapse, um, the guard play here is going to be, uh, on that note, particularly interesting because they are so athletic. Um, I'm not anticipating a ton of foster lawyer only because you're going to need some really solid guard D, um, Though, I don't know, do we know, is Rocket's ankle okay? Because he left the game with a busted up ankle? I don't think we've heard, but okay. I I would assume Rocket will be back. All right. Uh, other, uh, other pieces to watch. Uh, Wendell Moore is their best wing defender. He's returning yeah. 6'5", 215. Uh, think of him as an Aaron Henry, but without the shooting capability. Uh, he, he still gets his points, but just not a shooter. Um, Duke was sloppy in their opener. Uh, they had 22 turnovers in their opener. Uh, it, it's, it's kind of hard to believe that they'll do that again. Um, DJ Stewart, a freshman combo guard had 24 points. Jalen Johnson, a freshman, uh, small forward plays the three had 19 ports, 19 points, 19 boards, five assists and four blocks. That is a hell of a stat line. Um, that won't be replicated either. I don't sh- think. Sure. I mean, yeah, we're not cop and state, uh, which can we talk about how every year you, you learn new program names? Like I have never, ever heard of cop and state. They show up every once in a while. Sometimes they turn out to be really big schools. Like when Duke lost to Lehigh, I was like Lehigh. And then it turns out like, 25,000 students go to Lehigh every year in Pennsylvania. I was like, how did I not know this existed? Oh yeah. Well, I knew them cause you know, going to school out there, but sure. The sure. Uh, Binghampton, Binghampton was another one that I was like, Oh, there's actually a lot of people who go to school there. 
Uh, Binghampton is way more cool than Binghamton, which is, I think, how you actually pronounce nope. it. Nope. Refuse uh, to. Refuse Binghampton. to. Um, so that's an exciting game. Uh, Ken Palm number three. But again, there's a lot of last year's rankings in these current Ken Palm rankings. So uh, MSU 11, Ken, uh, Ken Palm, Duke 3, Ken Palm. So huge matchup. I huge. think it's I think it is worth noting that that there is so much fresh on the Duke team in a COVID year, now basketball had a little bit more time to wrap up, ramp up traditionally, but inexperience could really be at play in this game. I'm not calling an MSU victory because history doesn't really support that, but I don't feel bad about this one. I'm kind no. of excited. I know uh, what you mean. I know so, what you mean. What's the line on this? Do we know? Don't care. Don't want to know. Uh, ought to be even or two for Duke at home. But right. uh, let's uh, let's talk about University of Detroit Mercy Plum. Oh, the Titans of Detroit's the old former University of Detroit now Mercy because God bless the Catholics. Uh, <laughs> Michigan State has not played UDM since 2001. That was during a preseason NIT tournament. We won. Uh, get ready for it, 80 to 70. Does that scoreline seem familiar to you guys? Oh, I think I've seen that before seen that recently. In fact, okay. Um, the last time the Titans won was in 1996. So just a nice comfortable 24 years ago uh, when they beat us in triple overtime by two points, they probably felt then like Jim Harbaugh felt last week. Um, we lead the series 45 and 16, uh, but the Titans, and I think this is important to note, we're only seated ninth in the preceded Hor- uh, Horizon League poll. So, there, I, I, you know, I'm not sure what we should be expecting to see from the University of Detroit Mercy. Um, they've got about one good. I shouldn't say that's very offensive. They have one really good player um, who's gotten some pretty good looks, and I'm sure the rest of their team uh, in- enjoy playing basketball and are good at it. Uh, they're a Division One school, so that's nice. Um, but Antoine Davis specifically earned preseason all horizon league first team honors, as well as a spot on the Jerry West award watch list. Uh, for those who don't know the Jerry West award is, uh, for sort of NCAA wide for top shooting guards, right? It's given to the top shooting guard every season. It's awarded by the Naismith Memorial basketball hall of fame. Uh, last season, Davis was in the top 10, uh, finalists. So the kid can shoot. He's a solid defender. He gets across the covers the court. He's got good um, good presence in there. His, his teammates look up to him. He's a good, strong leader. So he's going to be a threat. We're going to watch him on the perimeter. We're going to need to know where he is. Um, uh, otherwise, I, this this should be this should be a fairly routine matchup. Uh, but again, you know, uh, as we noted in the Eastern um, kind of uh, kind of review, and and I think historically, Michigan State does not do well against teams they should handily beat. They, they, they routinely do not do well against teams they should handedly beat. So we'll, we'll see. Jones, what, what are you going to say? I Oh, I, I think it would just be worth adding, if I recall correctly, Antoine Davis actually led all of the NCAA in scoring last year. Um, so don't be surprised if the dude has a game because he's yeah. a dude, a guy, and a basketball player. I think the real question is why so did we recruit him? You know, isn't that the better question? <laughs> well, his dad's the coach. Yeah. I don't need easy. you to um, come in here and tell me whose dad is whose coach. Uh, Tom Izzo. He's, he's, he's just Stevie Izzo. He's a Stevie Izzo. Oh, fine. But Tom Izzo is everyone's dad. Okay. Let's just be very clear about that. <laughs> also worth pointing out, I believe Tom Izzo has a losing record against Detroit Mercy. So this is a redemption tour. Some <laughs> 25 years after the fact. Yes. Um, Western 
Uh, first year, brand new coach, Clayton Bates, uh, former assistant to Steve Hawkins, who, if you haven't heard, is no longer Western's, uh, basketball coach. He'd been there since like forever, basically. So, uh, new dude, a lot of changes from last season. You remember Western came to Breslin center last year. There were a couple guys named Michael flowers and Brandon Johnson on that team. They gone, they hit the transfer portal (laughs) in the meantime. So that's a bummer, uh, for the Broncos. Uh, but they got a guy, they got a new guy, uh, in their one game against Butler, which was attended by fans in Indianapolis, by the way, Indy, Indiana, get your shit together. I Butler get you. Come on, man. What are you doing? They're taking Uh, me from Notre Dame. That's all. B artist white sophomore guard out of Canton. Um, wait, what's that name? B artist. Is he related to B list? B artist. Cousin of Belis. Uh 17 points in that game against Butler. Uh five for eight from three. So dude can shoot. Um Butler Ken Palm 63, and they gave them a game. I mean, it was competitive until midway through the second half, and then uh it got away from them in a little a little bit. But uh Western Ken Palm 241 for what it's worth right now. Uh basically shut down B Artis, and uh we should be in good shape. Um, so Western 12, six at six. All right. Uh, let's chat very briefly, I guess about Ohio state. Um, the, uh, the Ohio state university, as they like to be called, um, canceled their game this week against, uh, Illinois, Illinois, uh, Ryan day has COVID. Uh, it is unclear who else on the team has COVID. Um, their athletic director, Gene Smith, is claiming <laughs> that that OSU actually tested under the numbers required for canceling, but out of an abundance of caution, they decided to cancel the game. Fishy. A very Ohio State thing Fishy. to do, by yeah, the way. It's very on brand for a, for a team that was definitely not advocating to play football in the middle of a pandemic. Um you're really taking the public safety, public health route. Um, I, we honestly, I, I didn't prepare. We didn't prepare a preview for this game. I don't think it's worth preparing one. Um, just five stars all around, um, except when it comes to how they treat public health. Um, uh, they, if, if I, if Ryan day hadn't had a bad tweeze job, which has defined his life to the state, but it must've been especially horrendous to get them. To have he got it lasered, him. lasered that um, he, he just didn't want to be seen, want to be seen. you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but what's weird is, is them saying that they, they're under the numbers. Um, they had, uh, booked a flight to Illinois, for 8 a.m. on game day when they were going to be playing at 11 a.m. Central time. Uh, so that's a or noon Eastern time for them. So they booked a flight four hours before they were supposed to be playing. Like, that's that's crazy. Um, something doesn't feel on the up and up over there. No. Um, yeah. No. I, so I, I don't think this game is going to be played. Frankly, I don't know that we should play this game. <laughs> well, I don't want our guys uh, to get sick. I mean, I think that would be my concern is that our guys get sick. It's not clear what the Big Ten controls are for actually knowing that that Ohio State's doing the right thing. But I guess seemingly they did do the right thing. 
Um, yeah. So I, 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 none of this feels right or, or normal, but no. the, the the pattern has been that if you miss one game, you're missing a second game. And in the Big Ten, it's 21 days, right? Yes. It's 21 days from when you test positive. So these these guys aren't exactly coming right back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, I think it's unlikely. I mean, I give this game a chance of like 60 40 70 30 well i think it's, uh to get I think it's closer to 80 20 but i'll tell you this and yeah. I'll, maybe this is how we end the uh we end this the segment before we move on is uh if it happens if it somehow happens and you know i think we would all be fine to watch the game on saturday if it does uh even we'll light some candles for player safety uh i saw this tweet by big 10 network today um there are only three teams right now nationally who have two wins over ap top 15 teams do you know who those three teams are, guys? I do because well, you I wrote know. it. Down. I wrote it down. I did write it down. In case you weren't following along, anyone else about it? They're Alabama, they're Georgia, and there are Michigan State University Spartans. Can you just? Isn't that not feel so nice? I don't know. Well, what's important? Uh, important caveat no, is no. There's no caveat. Listen, listen, Jake. Jake, <laughs> I don't need any howevers, buts, that says from you. I just want to sit and enjoy this moment. I don't care if Michigan shouldn't have been there. You know what? That's they were there. So that's all I'm going to say. Okay. And with that, honestly, what's, what's sad to me is that there are seasons we beat both Ohio state and Michigan. Yes. And that means Michigan wasn't in the top. 15. That's exactly right. Oh, oh so sad for so you. Sad for <laughs> but with that, uh, guys, we're going to move on to uh, our, uh, our, our not a sponsor, our third sponsor slash not a sponsor of the pod before we get into the Twitter questions. And, you know, I think it's, it's, it's long been a joke that, you know, this, uh, well, maybe it's not a joke. It's more of a truth, which is that, that Mike Jones is really the heart and soul, if not the, uh, the, the, the soothing dulcet tones of can't read, can't write, but he proves his metal by bringing as I think the third or fourth time I've said that this pod. So I really got to find a new word. He, he brings drives his worth by getting out, hitting the road and bringing in sponsors to keep this going. And he has a big, not a sponsor for us today. Oh, that's right. This one is huge. And Can't Read, Can't Write is thrilled to be partnering or not partnering with the Big Ten. That's right. They found our podcast. They're big fans. Kevin Warren, in particular, has hit up the DMs to say, guys, we got to be partners. This is a huge get. Uh, They are running a holiday sale, a sale of holiday-themed fun and funny merchandise for Big Ten football fans throughout the country. So if you've got a fan in your life, I want you to think about this. We've got Nebraska. We've got some Nebraska merch. They've got a nice onesie, a PJ set that says, ho, 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 I asked for this. For the Wolverine fan in your life, get the Dickens-worthy, a Christmas Carol-inspired ugly sweater in corn and blue (laughs) with the faces of influential leaders past, present, and future. That's right, Schembechler, Harbaugh, and Despair. For Buckeyes in the audience, why not grab them a nice hot chocolate mug Decorated with script lettering, we know you guys love that, in festive scarlet and silver. It just says, Ohio State, 2020 Big Ten participant. For an extra 99 cents, you can even get that emblazoned with a little Santa playing the tuba that dots each eye. So head over to the Big Ten merch website and tell them, can't read, can't write sent you with promo code, can't read, can't write. That's great. (laughs) That's that's, that's a big get for us, guys. Um, Thanks, Jones. 
I could not be happier with some holiday merch to promote. Let's head to Twitter questions, though. And first up, CTNTC, who asks, this is a great question. Do you think any Big Ten basketball coach is on the hot seat this year? Greg, I'll turn to you first. Uh, I know a few that should be. Uh, Richard Pitino should have been gone years ago. So just get rid of him now. Um, Richard Pitino would have been gone last year, but for the season being shut down with COVID. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Also, the Archie train down at Indiana. I I think that's entirely out of steam. Um, So I don't know what's going to happen because this season, I think those types of brands are probably way more likely to get into the NCAA tournament. And I don't know if you fire a guy once he probably gets in, even if he finishes in the middle of the big 10. Um, but I would be keeping an eye out on that. Um, and then, you know, you got to look at some of the other, you know, sort of like standard, you know, what you, you might expect to be on that list. You know, you, you got to look at your, your Mark Turgeon's, um, are they going to figure out at Maryland at some point that they can do better than Mark Turgeon? Big fraud. (laughs) I don't, I don't know. Um, he's like the James Franklin of basketball, right? Yeah. Can't actually Uh, coach, but can recruit. God, Penn state loves that, uh, loves that stuff. And Chris Collins, of course, like does getting the program to its one NCAA tournament of in program history. Does that buy you a lifetime contract or do you have to actually continue to produce after that? Um, and Chris Collins, weirdly, probably has had more talent on his team since that NCAA bid on paper than he did. On, I, I like, I don't get what's going on with him, but it didn't work out. It's time for him to go. So I, I think you could have what four five, maybe more, uh, coaches turnover this season, or you could have zero. Can I throw, but can I throw Juan Howard on there? Not seriously, semi-seriously. I don't know if you guys have been seeing this. It's been kind of coming across Twitter while we've been, uh, We've been uh, recording. Juwan Howard got into it with Isaiah Livers, 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 Livers. Yeah, uh, got into it on a timeout. They were uh, they were they were beating Oakland by a couple points. I think whatever stage, and this is in the second half. I have seen Izzo get in a kid's face. I've actually seen Izzo climb into a player before and start punching his liver. So I know what our coaches are capable of doing, but I've never seen a Michigan State player get in Izzo's face and like square off and like front off to him before. Right. Can you think of an instance? I mean, when I, when I remember players yelling back to Izzo, it is with a look of humble apology and almost like, please stop drinking mommy. Like this sort of fear. And, um, anyway, I I'm, I'm just putting that out there. I I've seen coaches getting great players. I don't think I've ever seen a player, you should look at the clip. It, he looks very disrespectful at his own coach in a way that I think is, uh, I think it says something about culture. And so I just want to, I want to footnote that we'll come back to it later on in the pod. I'm sure. In many. Seasons. Yeah. I, I haven't seen that yeah. clip. Is this, was this it was tonight? tonight? Yeah. Yeah. yeah they I'm literally watching it right now. Yeah. They played Oakland. They played Oakland. Uh, they played Oakland uh, uh, today and they were, they were losing at the half. So like there was, you know, tempers are, are flaring and then they started the second half and they called a timeout cause they just weren't, I guess, playing like they should. And, 
you can see he either breaks the clipboard over his knee or he throws it on the ground and he stands up and he says something. And then you can see Livers says something. He turns around and gets back and he says, you know, basically, what did you just say? And then Livers stands up and like fronts off to him and they're, you know, they're kind of going at it. And I, I, in all the years I've watched Michigan State basketball, I've never seen a player challenge Izzo ever. Um, and I'm sure uh, it- some players have given it back to him over okay. the years. It, it's okay. happened. Uh, but I haven't seen this clip, yeah. so I don't right. know. Is it possible that that Juwan just saw the interview where where uh, Izzo talks about breaking clipboards over his knee? I and love getting that fiberglass one, and, and maybe just this just imitation is the best form of flattery. Yep. Um, anyway, ne- this this question went on longer than I expected. Next question is initial impressions of MSU's basketballs MSU basketballs freshman class, um, uh, which is AJ Hogard and Maddie Sissoko. We've talked about them a bit i would say work in progress aj looks interesting question they, mark they've they've played what like 15 total yeah. minutes I between the two of them i don't care aj struck me as interesting okay well i, I said this uh, yeah. at the beginning which is sissoko it needs to do a lot more to impress me i i didn't did he even play if he played i i missed it missed it Get a big block in the Eastern game. That's his whole wow. career. And in so the far. End game, he did his best to foul out in the under four. Oh my God. Out. That is what he did. That is exactly what he did. He tried his <laughs> level best to get the hell out of the game. That is a silly, silly guy. So yeah. Impressions I think Izzo actually made a comparison to a guy who uh, had uh, Al. Uh, what's the last name? Doesn't really matter. Right. Yes. Yeah. That one. Anyway, uh, look, uh, CT, great question. TBD. Um, like Izzo teams, I think you're just going to have to wait until the back half of the season to really know much. This team's pretty deep, so it makes sense that the freshman class is going to have a hard time cracking that uh, that rotation. Um, next up, uh, Raymond Chains. Uh, since pretty much nothing makes any damn sense, could we enjoy some consistency and no stupid questions? Plum's plague update and the Jerbear Jabber. Also, what happened to minutes of hate? I hate the lack of good <laughs> drugs. I hate anxiety. I hate shitty cable TV streaming websites. Oh my God. Oh my God. We need the consistency of some D'Antonio show, Raymond. Raymond, help us. I've been looking forward to this all help week. Help us help you, Raymond. Help us help you. <laughs> oh, I love um, leg yeah. update. That's That's got good We uh, We should release a second episode this yeah. week that just does no stupid questions and then... Plump Wait, there about is COVID. you missed it there is a uh a d'antonio up, uh, update i missed it no i copied everything down you did oh you, oh the, you did these oh shit i thought greg did these. no i did these all right um are there ones that i can't next, see i'm sorry that i'm sorry that i said that to you raymond i take it back i apologize thank god oh, the <laughs> week is the last saved. time you let me Plum, do this Plum, we're gonna we're gonna give you the Twitter login. Uh, this week, the coach discovers that he doesn't need his grandson to post on Twitter, communicating more than he has in five years. Or, as president of the Spartans Motorcycle Club, the D takes exception to the Buckeyes <laughs> Motorcycle Club trying to open a chapter in Mid Michigan. Take a hike, Buckeyes Motorcycle Club. We don't, we don't need this. We don't need. Do not need um, this, indeed. Uh, I, uh, I, D'Antonio has been very publicly available the last week, and did tweet out, him. tweet out celebrating uh, the triple win yeah. for Michigan State in one day. Yeah, 
So that's pretty great. We should see if we can get him for the pod. We should reach out. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've already had him once, so it wouldn't, it shouldn't be too hard to get him back again. No, 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 no. Um, All right. uh, Next up, John Hubbard. Oh, I'm sorry. No. Uh, Next up is Nick Kamansky. Uh, this is more of a comment, but I've spent weeks declo- decoding the secret messages you've left scattered in your tweets and podcasts. My reply to the super secret message, uh, hidden question is, quote, if you insist, end quote. Uh, Greg, do you happen to know what this is? Otherwise, I have a guess at what it is. Uh, take what's your guess, and then I'll tell you what it is. Well, I think that Nick has realized that we've been subliminally instructing him to wear Harbaugh only attire, so he will be in a sweatshirt and khakis for the remainder of his life. Ill-fitting khakis, please, Nick. They need to do nothing but hide your 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 butt. Just hide it, like it doesn't exist. Very, very. And he will he will indeed wear these into the shower. Like if you had a and... cut khaki, right? That's what we're going for. And when you go into public, try to hide your thunder with your mask choice as well. Um. <laughs> uh, all right. Next up from Nick Kamansky is Michigan State basketball is down two points with 15 seconds to go. They have the ball. Who do you want taking the shot and why is it Foster Lawyer? Uh, not to pitch to you again, Greg, but I know you love this phrasing of a question. So uh, I will send it to you. Because Fossey Bear is going to bring us all home. He's going to shoot infinity percent from three for the rest of the season <laughs> and um, play 40, 40 minutes again uh, for the rest of the year. It definitely wasn't a concern against <laughs> Notre Dame. <laughs> uh, At all. I, 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 yeah, okay. I'm, well, not, I'm not upset well, about that, but I think it for me, it's Langford. For me, it's Langford. I, listen... Shoot us to Valhalla. Shoot us to, and Foster I'll tell you Warrior. why. With that, it, it can't be Watts. Not with 15 seconds left. The pressure would kill him. His head would just like implode, just cripple in on itself. It's never going to happen. I mark my words, and, and when I'm wrong, I'll be happy about that. But I think it's Langford. He's got a little more staying power. He's a little bit older. He got the maturity. He's been working to this. In fact, it may be the only thing he has to live for. So for me, it's Langford. Gabe. It's certainly not Joey. Uh, anyway, Nick also asked, and I am only going to give him a third question a because third I want question. him to know the what's first was a comment. <laughs> he says, what happens during the section of the podcast, not devoted to Twitter questions, Nick, <laughs> your questions are going to find themselves in weird segments. We're so- just going to sprinkle through the, throughout the whole podcast. So when you scrub through, you have to listen to basically the whole plums thing. plague update. Yep. <laughs> Uh, and Nick is the plague. <laughs> Next up is John Hubbard asking football win fluke a la John L or sign of what's possible. I, I, for me, this doesn't feel John L because, um, it just doesn't it, like it, the John L stuff felt more like they tripped over themselves into it. This felt like they executed right. Does anyone have a, a, a difference of opinion on here? No, I agree. The nature of this win where, yes, they took, they got lucky. They got 14 points on the board and they were fortunate. John L would have lost this game, yeah. but uh, Mel managed to hold on against a top 10 team and win under those circumstances. So in I think it's a sign John L though, John L did until in, in Illinois took it from us, have the record for largest comeback ever. And it was against Northwestern. <laughs> it's fair. 
but not a top 10 ranked Northwestern. That I would point good, out. good point. Good point. Here, here. Uh, last, uh, last up from John Hubbard, uh, with a Northwestern Indiana conference championship, a distinct possibility. How many different big 10 teams will make it to Indy before Michigan? The answer appears to be most of them. <laughs> most of them. will. if Purdue can get there, we've really won. And I think we collectively need to get in on supporting Purdue <clears throat> to make that happen. Let's say this happens. That will be Indiana, Iowa, Michigan State, Nebraska, Northwestern, Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin that have all been there. So that's more than half of the teams, right? Did you say Ohio State? Yeah. Yeah. So Wisconsin, Ohio State, Penn State, Northwestern, assuming they make it, Nebraska, MSU, Iowa, Indiana, assuming they make it. That's eight. Wow. Yeah, I think 18. we can. I think maybe Maryland is closest to doing it. Also, as a as sort of a next in line, I, mm-hmm. I would say Maryland is closer to going to a Big Ten championship game than Michigan is right now, and yeah, I love that. Sort of seems like it. <laughs> uh, next up is sad MSU sports fan uh, who asked great questions, and we had to pare them down, which is a big bummer. But uh, do you think it's better for football uh, for the football team to not play Ohio State next week and have another essentially bye week before the Penn State game? Question mark. I don't think it matters. Plum, what do you Personally. think? Uh, if if the alternative is them getting sick, absolutely bye week, bye week before Penn State. Um, let that team continue to implode with its absolutely mess on their hands, and uh, we march to victory and have another win. So love it. I think I think Penn State winning is the best thing that could have happened to us because it's sort of like they got the dignity win out from under them. Mm-hmm. Um, but now nothing matters. They're they're straight in nihilism season. Um, next up from sad MSU sports fan, which player were you most impressed with now that you've seen two MSU basketball wins? Uh, let's do a quick round robin on this one. Greg, what do you got? I'll nominate. Uh, I'll nominate our guy. Gabe, I'll take Gabe. That's good. Plum, I'm gonna say Bingham. Those blocks, those Bingham blocks, baby. That's good. Uh, Hauser was better on the boards and better on defense than I ever imagined. So we uh, still haven't seen the thing that he was billed most for coming into the program. <laughs> yes, this supposedly 45 percent behind the arc free th- three point shooter. He's going to need to make a lot of threes to make up for his big old goose egg right now. Uh, Next up from Garver, prop bet of the week. Yes. Combined (laughs) annual salaries of Jim Harbaugh, Scott Frost, and James Franklin versus total number of COVID cases contracted in the United States over under 18.15 million. As a note, both these numbers are higher than they should be. Absolutely. (laughs) Paul, what do you think? This is a great question. Can we just celebrate the question? This is a good Garvard's prop bets of the week are after uh, Raymond's uh, this week on the Antonio camp. Uh, it just absolutely make my make my entire um, make my entire week. Uh, Both of these have been very good. Yeah, for way. sure. Like just is legit prop. Yeah, they're legit prop bets. And I can't have to think about them uh, this week. I'm going COVID cases, though. I think we're going to have a big spike coming up. Oh. Sorry, guys. But the Thanksgiving holiday, way too many assholes in the in the airports and uh, doing stuff where they shouldn't have been. So that's a boo-hoo-hoo. But uh, yeah, I think we're COVID. Icky. 
to give this context, currently 13.4 million cases in the U.S. over time uh, with 150,000 being added each day. So I didn't do the math on when we would pass this line, but it doesn't look good right now mm-hmm. going into the winter. Um, Great question. Next up. Brought it down a, a beat. Yeah, we got we to get this energy back. Jonesy, should I, uh, also from Garbert, uh, should I just give up my day job and become full-time amateur sports analyst graphic designer? Uh, for those who don't know, uh, Garbert screenshot the, uh, the chart we referenced earlier in the Notre Dame game. Uh, where it it had the sort of line going up and up with points and then um, just flatlined for Notre Dame. And he he drew in an arrow to point to a key moment. (laughs) Uh, I think this is the moment that made all the difference, you guys. (laughs) To which I said, uh, we are looking to add the can't read, can't write team and our people will be in touch. Um, uh, Look, I I think you should pursue your dreams. We haven't given up our jobs quite yet to become full-time amateur sports podcasters, but, you know, actively thinking about it. Um, Next, we up, paid. You can remove amateur from that, man. We wouldn't. That, that is true. We would give you a cut of what is, I promise, more rags than riches. Uh, <laughs> but we would definitely give you a cut. Um, verbose Dutch is up next. Uh, can MSU schedule any other teams ranked in the top 15? <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, the one remaining top 15 scheduled game is probably going to get canceled. But it probably uh, was get- actually legit top 15. Yeah. Um, so very good. Uh, next up from Verbose J- Dutch, Jonesy. What's MSU's third best offensive play after deep passes and QB <laughs> runs? I really don't know. That is actually a, a good question. <laughs> um, I'm going to say something maybe unpopular here i think it might be the jet sweep <laughs> god i mean the jet sweeps have not been that bad they, one they got to the right side of the field right. that's that's yeah. that's key uh and they've had blockers over on that side of the field so that's also been key um but i i think we will see more of the inside zone start to be successful i i'm gonna call it now this was a program win for mel tucker and is going to give a lot of faith to the team that if they they can execute on the run that they need to. And so we'll start seeing some success on the inside zone. Next up, more Wolverines. Uh, back again, Brendan for AFC. How does MSU keep getting bye weeks, and how can I get Michigan to have one so I don't have to watch them for a week? This is a great question. Um, Plum, you got some thoughts? <laughs> well... You know, if Michigan continues to play their cards right, uh, they won't be playing Ohio State either. So there's your bye week. I don't know what to tell you. Um, sucks to suck, I guess, is another thing. I mean, I wanted us to to play Maryland. I wanted the win. So I think we all did. Uh, unfortunate, too bad. And yet, here we go. Uh, but Northwestern, let's be very clear, was not a bye week. We worked our tails off and got the win for that, much like Michigan should have done at Happy Valley. Womp, womp. <laughs> indeed uh next up is mama maple leaf with the question of questions christmas tree decorating pro tinsel or non-tinseler greg you're up first i think you make the whole tree out of tinsel full tinsel 100 percent. plum what about you you know i am not personally a tinseler uh so i am a uh i'm a non-tinseler and i think that's uh 
I will say this. I went with white pine this year in an homage to a Christmas story. And that Christmas story tree, apart from being better lit than most uh, major airport runways, uh, was festooned with uh, enough tinsel to account for, um, well, I don't know, probably the vast majority of the state of Indiana's uh, tinsel share that year. So anyway, which is to say I could have gone with tinsel uh, to complete the homage. I did not. And so I remain a non-tinseler. And I want to take this moment to do two things uh, from Maple Belief. Um, well, the first issue is this. No, stop. Yell at the dog. Okay. She's chewing on the tree. And I was just talking about the tree. So I feel like it's pot appropriate to do that. This is, this is your fault. You brought her attention to well, the tree. You know, it's so true. Uh, thank God there wasn't tinsel. So that's that answer. Mama may believe. Uh, I want to apologize to mama may believe because she numbered this question, which indicates to me that there are more questions, which I didn't have access to. So we'll get to those on Twitter and please accept our mea culpa. But three, I just want to appreciate Mama Maple Leaf because she gave some real shade to the Grooch, which was when she very kindly tweeted out us dropping the episode last week um, for for folks on Twitter. Her caption for it was hashtag blanket kids unite. And for everyone that listened to the pod last week, you will know that Grooch picked just an absurd fight with all children who attached to blankets and uh, Mama Maple Leaf was not intimidated by all of the hate that the Grooch gave. So good for her. We see you, Mama Maple Leaf. We don't understand you, but we see you and we love you. So yes. Blanket kids number their Twitter questions. Okay. Wow. It's, it's Hurtful. All right. Next up, the Upper Deck Jerk Guy. <sighs> I don't know. Jones, I guess you get to answer this and then maybe we can see how he thinks. Uh, he asks, was Grooch mad that you recorded without him or that the pod was better without him? <laughs> what is your perception of this? Um, I mean, he didn't talk to me all week, so that was kind of weird. Uh, you know, I don't know when he expected us to delay it too, but you know, um, Greg, how mad were you and what was it about? I, I've never been mad in my life. Uh, I took it in stride, like everything that I do. Um, there's definitely not one fewer homeless people around, um, uh, you know, the mid Michigan area. After, after that. <laughs> <laughs> no one cares about oh, them. Oh boy. Oh, uh, I should well, cut yeah, that, but I'm not gonna, because that's what makes the pod better. Nobody brings that heat when I'm not around upper deck jerk guy. There it is. All right, um, next, next up, up from Upper Deck Jerk Guy, yeah. uh, Jonesy, will Lombardi start against Ohio State? Why or why not? The, I mean, I think we, we know no, the answer to this. No, because there's no <laughs> State game that's happening. <laughs> but if there is an Ohio State game happening, I think you can listen to the earlier part of the pod where we say why maybe Ohio State or why Lombardi actually should be starting games. They should just be doing more of the things that they w- – did well with Lombardi. Um, and that uh, makes a wrap for a podcast. Honestly, we're okay on time. Uh, <laughs> We've conditioned all of you to accept an hour and 45 minutes and we got there. So, yeah. uh, so with that, uh, gentlemen, uh, I hope you had a very happy Thanksgiving and a, a, a well-earned go green. Ooh, with that, a very well-earned go white. I feel like I'm off the pot again.
I'm going to have to go do that thing that makes me feel oh, no. like Alive. a god. Please don't. Please just don't. Just don't. Go great, everyone. Bye. <laughs>